Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the wealth within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcast globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. This episode is a recording of our live YouTube weekly stock market show. Every Tuesday night, Dale and Janine stream live on YouTube from 7 to 8pm to answer your most burning questions, as well as analyse stock for our viewers. To watch the show, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Stock Market Show under the Learning Centre. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Good evening and welcome to Wealth Within Live, the Australian stock market show where you ask the questions and we give you the answers to all things trading and investing. Now, jokes aside this week, our chief analyst is back. We hope you had a good week and are ready for what I know will be another great stock market show tonight. There's always something interesting happening, not only on the Australian market, but also world markets. Now, tonight, as always, we'll shed some light on the current market as we aim to inform and educate you on the realities of investing and trading. Our topic for tonight is how to select stocks to buy with a higher probability of making a profit. We'll look at what is currently happening on the Australian stock market, give you our thoughts, answer your most burning questions and look at a whole lot of other things for you tonight. Um, and remember, Australia... You're having fun, aren't you? <laughs> um, the teleprompter's just gone crazy on me, so I can't read that fast. So just remember, Wealth Within is Australia's most trusted stock market educator. Hello, I'm Janine Cox, and joining me tonight is Dale Gillam, and we're Australia's most trusted stock market educators. There <laughs> you go. You know what the that issue? Was not a you good know start. what the issue is? What's that? We're even on, we're on the wrong script. Would you? You just read last week's script. Oh wow! So, so our team, so our team in the. Are control, we doing a replay? Are we? We we're just replaying last week's show, guys and, and ladies. So yeah, we're on last week's script. I thought so. you said that part of that couldn't be beaten. Well, no, I think Some last week we was a pretty about. good show. It was my first one back, although my mouth didn't work. I think it was going all over the place, except where it should have been. Well, you so. have an excuse to be rusty if you've been away for a few weeks. I do have an excuse to be rusty, but um, but anyway, but we've got a good show tonight. I know we've got a great topic tonight because that wasn't the topic we're going to be doing because we're looking at trading strategies for, for tonight and we're going to get specifically into some of the indicators and what they are because this mm. is what people see all of the time. So, But we are in some really challenging times. Um, in the Australian stock market at the moment because um, Victoria's gone into lockdown again. So we uh, us it? Victorians have been bad people. So, um, you know, with, um, as I said, but our topic for tonight is profitable trading strategies that uh, work in bu- profitable trading <laughs> strategies that work in bull and bear markets. So anyway, but uh, hello, I'm Doug Gillum and this is Janine Cox and uh, we'll get it right eventually. But uh, it is nice to have you to be back and, and to be looking at the market again. And if you have a burning question for us, remember to grab your phone and record a 30 second video and email it to info at wealth within or just use your webcam like some of the people have done today. Um, that 
that said, if you're a little bit shy or you're on the run from the police, <laughs> you can always send us your email questions um, to info at wealthwithin.com.au. Um, remember, with your questions, if it's about a stock, let us know why you're interested in that stock so we can understand your thinking and what you're doing around that. And if it's a general question, then try to keep it as short and sweet as possible. But if you can't make it um, short and sweet, just make it good. Now, tonight, if it's your first time watching the show, then may I say a big hi to you and thanks for joining us tonight. And we really do hope you enjoy the show that we're bringing for you. Now, moving on, it's always great on a Tuesday, the first Tuesday in the month, because this means we take a look at the Australian stock market and give you our thoughts. So let's get into the charts, shall we? Now, you can see on the screen there, I've got the All Ordinaries Index up there. Monthly chart on the left-hand side as normal and the weekly chart should be on the right-hand side. <laughs> it should be. It is, and there we it? go. Um, <laughs> so you could see there the, the bigger picture analysis on the All Ordinaries Index, um, which is actually hidden because I haven't shown them um, the detail. But what we're seeing here is that the, the market's still above the 6,000-point mark. And that's a really important thing for our market, um, important marker, I guess, for the market to be sitting above. But the question is, how long is it going to stay above there? I think, you know, I've, I've said for some weeks it, it's likely to get to somewhere between 5,350 and 5,006, sorry, 6,350 and 6,550 points before it turns and top, it tops and turns down again. And it still may do that. Looking at last week's bar, and it's early in the week this week, so we could see a further rise up. But the market often... Um, will test the range of the previous week. So it's not unusual to see the market pull back early in the week and then move up later in the week. And that would be ideal if we mm. want the market to go bullish again. So if that happens and it stays up, up and holds by the end of the week above 6,000 points, then that would be really good for our market. No, I agree. And I think I think sometimes when people watch this, and I know I've had, we've had some comments from different people you know, in the, what do you call it, the social media mm. sphere of different platforms and stuff like that. Yep. People don't quite understand what we talk about. Like they think, oh, you said the market was going to do this or you said the market was going to do that. And then their next comment is, well, it, the next comment indicates they actually didn't understand what we were talking about. And it's constant that mm. I'm getting these comments coming through. And some of what we talk about, like if we say the market's going, we think the market's going down next week, what we mean is that it will go a bit lower, but it may close higher than the week before. Yeah. And I'll, I'll show you what on the chart. If I just let me, can Go I steal your you little mouse, steal please? Mouse. And if I just drag it up here, over these past few weeks, this week we were saying the market was going to come down a little bit, and it did. You can see this red bar actually traded lower than the previous bar. So technically that's a down bar. Mm. So that means what we said the market was going to go down with, it was correct. But it did close higher than the week before. This is still technically a down bar because it actually did close lower than what it was before. So sometimes when we say the market's going to go up and mm. it goes up, it closes lower than the week before, as long as it's made a higher high. Like this one here, see it was down there, it opened here, pushed right up, made a higher high than the previous week, but then closed right down here again. But it was which still, is weak. Which is weak, but it's mm. still technically an up bar. And a lot of people who don't understand technical um um, analysis and what we're actually talking about will sometimes take what we're doing wrong. Yeah, so people who look at indicators more don't really understand the bar analysis is what you're saying. Well, probably. a lot of people don't understand specifically what we're talking about because we never say the market's definitely going to do this or definitely going to do that. We're saying if it does this, mm. then it's more likely bullish or if it does that, it's more likely it's going to go down for a few weeks. Yeah, but people who are watching us, a lot of them either haven't seen technical analysis mm. before or if they have, they've only seen certain types, which is the purpose for the show that you know, tonight, which is about mm. the indicators. But what you're saying is that we really 
really need to wait till the end of the week anyway to see what the market's doing because we can say that the market is going to move higher and what you're saying is it may move higher but then it may close at the end of the week so don't take us out of context we need to actually see the weekly close mm. to know what's going to happen really yeah and i think that's that's mm. the issue is is and the thing is you should never ever be like just because an expert says the market's doing this, don't make your decisions on that. You should always yeah. know. And I find people go, "I sold that because you said X, or I sold, I bought in because mm. you said Y." And it's like, well, why no. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Mm. Um, and to me, just because we're saying the market, we think the market's going to go up next week, it's not us telling them to buy. Mm. Or we're saying, "Oh, look, I like that stock this week," or mm. "No, I don't really like it at the moment. It's probably going to go down for a week or two. Just because we're saying it's going to go down for a week or two doesn't mean we're saying to sell it. Mm. It just means we think it might go down for a week or too but in our mind it's long-term bullish or medium to longer term bullish so it's about having your own set of rules around that and and strategies right now yes the market is more bullish than bearish Mm. but you know and we do think it's possibly going to go up to 6,600 into that Mm. top end of the range because it is going to be due for a more uh, slightly bigger pullback coming in through into around September that's my thinking at this point in time. Look, the market could be a bit unpredictable mm. at the moment. So I, I think like what you started mm. talking about before with them not reading too much into what we're saying at any point during the week, you really mm. have to wait and look at it yourself to the weekly close mm. and see what happens. So last week, the market closed up. doesn't mean just because the market closed up last week, it's more probable for the market to continue to rise, it but it doesn't mean that it always will. Because mm. all you have to do is look back over the history of, of the, the market on these weekly charts to see examples of that. So what Dale's saying is don't necessarily just say this is what you're saying, so therefore I'm taking some action on that. Have a look at a chart yourself, and if, you, if you're if you really struggling to read it, then you know you need to know more, really, about it and to, and to think about the psychology of the people behind it and, and how they're moving the market, because if mm. they're opening the market low and they're closing it high, that's usually a good thing. That's usually know? a good thing. The other mm. thing I wanted to bring up just really quickly before we move on is that I would suggest the majority of people, all they see is daily charts, because every app you open up yeah. or every broker platform platform or every platform that you open up, it just defaults to daily charts. Mm. And a lot of them default to line charts too. You see all those apps that are all just line charts because the, the screens aren't big enough to do what we do. So, And you're seeing people are not seeing this bigger picture that we're showing them. And the bigger picture is like the it's like the bully in the playground. It's normally the biggest person in the playground is the bully. Mm. And so you need to look at the bigger longer term moves to really understand what the shorter term moves are going to do. So um, but we'll talk a little bit about sort of that sort of stuff later on as okay. we keep going into it. But I think we need to move on now to our first question, I think. Yep. It's time to get into the videos and emails. We enjoy the challenges to see how many we can get through for you. And what's exciting is we've been overrun with videos and emails, some longer than others. So I'm going to apologise now if we don't get to time to get through yours tonight. Now, first up is a video question from uh, Lina or Lena. I'm not exactly sure how you say your name. It's about ResMed. So let's bring up his video now. Hey, Dale and Janine. Love you guys' approach to the stock market. I just have a quick question about ResMed. So I bought ResMed at $23 and in the past week or so, it's gone up to $27. i have taken some profits. So I put $3,000 originally in and I've sold... So that my stake now is also 3000 I'm wondering if the market starts to go down again, when would be a good time to sell and should I put a stop loss on this? 
Great question, isn't it? So awesome. thanks, thanks, Lino, for, for the question. And it's interesting. Some people, it's like I was saying in my market report, a lot of people will have larger losses. They'll accept a 30 or 40 or 50% loss, but then they'll start, they'll cut profits short. Now, mm. obviously, looking at ResMed, it's gone vertical over the last three or four weeks. And so obviously what he's done is he's bought in and now he's taken a bit of that profit off the top. So he's now still got the same position size. So he's basically, he's still got his same position size in the market, a little bit of profit. Now, I don't necessarily think that's something I wouldn't suggest people do mm-hmm. um, to take their, take a little bit of profit off the market, but it's not bad. You know, it's not one of those, uh, I find holding stocks that while they're falling is a hell of a lot worse to see than to banking a few profits. But the question is, when should he sell and should he have a stop loss? The answer to having a stop loss is absolutely every single time you buy and sell a share or buy a share, you should always have a stop loss. And there are two types of stop losses. There's an initial one when you first buy it. So your initial purchase price, which is, which is $23, I think mm. it was, wasn't it? 23 So in my book, I talk about a 15%. So calculate 15% of 23 take that off to $23. And if it goes below that, that's what your exit is on an initial stop loss. That's how I would calculate it. But you can also have trailing stop losses. And interesting, this has had, if we look at the chart again, we've seen how many bars up at this point in time we're seeing. Look, it's four and it's it's three, but it's one inside, I think. So this is this week, so that's yesterday yeah. and today. It's quite strong. It so is quite it strong. looks bullish overall. Um, the challenge is when a stock breaks to a new all-time high, often it will come back to test mm. where it's been. So, you know... I don't think there's anything wrong either with him taking a little bit of money off the table, but just having a few mm. rules around what you can do. Can we just jump to the daily chart there? Yeah, you uh, can. Just I, have I, a look I haven't got the glasses on, so I'm guessing where I'm clicking. So let me know if I got it wrong. Because this is all most people look at. Mm. Most people don't look at what's happening from a big picture perspective to understand where it is in the overall. It's like standing above the forest and being able to see everything, but you're on the ground and you can't see where that um, mm. wolf's coming or the bear, you know, is right <laughs> behind you. Um, but looking at the the stock now, there's even nothing, no reason to sell it on the daily at the moment. No. There's no rule. I still think it looks pretty pretty good, but what sort of Janine is suggesting, if we go back to the weekly chart, see this big move through here. So if we do start to see a downward move, it's highly likely to sort of end up in the middle of this sort of pattern. If I use this little tool over here, we can see here. So somewhere in around about this sort of $25 level, which is a little bit above where he bought it from. But mm. if it does shoot off like that very, very quickly, you'll often see it come back to sort of retest those sorts of levels. So I would say somewhere between 24, 25, it'll probably come back to if it does come back. Um, where's a good pot to sell it? That's something that's really, we can't tell you that at the moment because if we say something right now, next week it'll be different um, and it will depend on what it, it trades through today. So you need to understand how to do that yourself is, um, you know, if it went through your your buy price, I'd probably would exit at that um, from that point of view. But giving you some sort of technical indicator right now is not really relative because as I was saying, tomorrow, the next day or next week, we may get, we'll have different information and we may move our stop loss. But unless you have solid rules or you understand what we're talking about, you won't be able to exit at that point in time anyway. Mm. So, but um, but it was a really good question, wasn't it? It was a good question. And thanks for sending in the video. It's really, really good. Another good-looking dude like me. <laughs> okay, you can take it. We have a question from Colin. Hi, Dale and Janine. I'm looking for stocks that are safer to hold during the current volatility. I'm considering national storage REIT. It has a decent dividend yield of 4.86%. And the graph below 
um, is from January 2017. So he sent in something, obviously. Mm. The stock has had a slow recovery or slow growth and seems to be coming back up to its three-year trend. It would seem to be a business that might do well during the pandemic. There will always be a demand for storage facilities and maybe there'll be more demand during economic downturns. What's your view of this stock? I'm looking to hold for the longer term. Thanks, Colin. So he's thinking big picture about this company. Mm. But the the interesting thing, though, is that I, I don't really care what business the company's in. It's more for me about, unless we're talking about looking at things from a sector point of view, but he is trying to think big picture in that way. But mm. it's more, well, okay, tell me a bit about the stock. Well, for a start, there's not a lot of history on it if I'm just looking at the monthly chart. And looking at what COVID did to the stock gives you an idea about the volatility of the share. But the the interesting thing is that um, I'm just looking for that price um, thing again. Yeah, yeah, yep. it's the first one. Um, you can see there that it has had a drop of 50%, which is a bit more than the market. So mm. that tells me straight away that if it moves, if the market moves down and everything's going to go, then this stock's potentially likely to move more than mm. what the market will. So that's a start starting point. Um, the next thing is it's recovered uh, more than half of what it lost, which is nice to see. Some stocks have recovered nearly all or, or more, um, gone to new highs. But this is this is mirroring mm. the market to a degree in terms of where it is in its recovery. Mm. So, you know, I think that it, it looks okay at the moment. Um, I wouldn't be, to me, I wouldn't be picking a stock like this um, without enough data for a start. But if I was looking into it, I would think, okay, once it starts, if you weren't already in it, because it did give an entry down here, but if you weren't already in it, then I'd be waiting to confirm that it's actually going to get through that $2 mark. Because $2 being a round number as well can sometimes hold up the share mm. price. So let's just see what it's happens. It's good that he's thinking through it all. You know, I don't have yeah. a, necessarily have an issue with his thinking, but that's also not a reason why I would buy it too, mm. because... Yeah, there's, we've had increasing demand for storage facilities for years as more and more and more high-rise buildings get built up, you know, and they, mm. these apartments are going up every single place. But then what's going to happen with the property market? What's going to happen mm. with retail? What's going to happen with other sorts of office buildings, those sorts of stuff? Will they need more storage facilities? All sorts of other stuff. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, and that's the point of – and will that push the, the share price up? And right now – it's holding nicely. It's looking all right, but is it going to go up and do very, very well? It's come back to its momentum, its longer-term momentum, as he said, so I don't mind it too much. Mm. So, But anyway, let's get on to the next email. But thank you for sending one, that one in. This next email is from Maverick. I love the name. Hi, Dale and Janine. Um, I've recently started purchasing companies well, within the top 50 in the ASX 20, um, or top of the ASX 200, sorry. And I noticed that uh, Coca-Cola Limited has started to trend up, and I believe that the market might be um, too volatile right now to be sure. However, um, and wanted to get our opinion. I love the show, and tune in each week uh, for your updates. Keep up the great work. Thank you very much, Maverick. So, Good question, but interesting stock choice, mm. and not quite sure about um, him talking about it trending up. Um, it's it's very odd right now the way that it's unfolding. In fact, you can see here that the, the tops are getting lower from the bottom, that the bottoms are getting higher. So it's coming into an apex where, you know, the equilibrium, mm. if you like, where the buyers and the sellers are coming to some sort of a, an agreement, which is normally where you see a breakout one way or the other. But it's not a trend up. Um, no, so it's, not. it's a sideways trend. So this is where you've got to be really careful about your understanding of trends. This is something we go into in absolute depth within the course so that when you come out the mm. other end, you, you will completely know how to 
review a stock and understand trends. Well, you have to know how to assess trends before you can even draw trend lines. So just be careful on that in terms of your interpretation. My concern with Coke right now is that is how it's unfolded, right? Because yeah. the way it's unfolded puts it in a very precarious position. If it falls back below uh, around $8.50, this thing could go south, right? Well, so that's the concern. If it, if it trades above $10 strongly, then I think it's going to recover. That's my it's not, look. It's not unfolding like the market at the moment. Mm. It's not. The market's been strong the last couple of months, or a lot stronger. And look at it. It's not doing very well. And it's not a buy. It's it's a not a buy and hold stock. It's very much yeah. a trading stock that you can get in for short runs. But even since this high way back here, it's really not been much. You know, in seven years, it hasn't really done too much. And even going back here, you could have bought it back in 2007 through here and you still get the same price. Mm. So it's something you need to have some good rules around it to trade it. But um, again, not exciting me either. But um, hey, let's move on to the next question. But thank you very much. We have a question from Chris. And I think if, if it's the same Chris I'm thinking of, he's very keen. Hey, Dale and Janine, I'm a student of yours and loving everything that you guys are doing. I was wondering what your thoughts are on the Stock Goodman Group and how you think they will travel in the coming months. Do you think now businesses are reopening and operational, this will have a positive effect? Or maybe come September when the government's help ceases, it will have a negative implication on commercial real estate. Um, are they Goodman or Badman? <laughs> Pardon the pun, says Chris. Very cute. Um, yeah, so look, looking at Goodman, if I just bring that one up on the screen for you, you can see there it's actually done incredibly well. You know, And you've got to think that Goodman actually has investments in 17 different countries around the world. So it's actually spread and it's really diverse in terms of its exposure to that. But it's still within the commercial property mm. market. So you know, if commercial property goes down, then the value of these um, commercial, um, these big um, property companies generally falls. But I'm just quite impressed with how it's unfolded so far. So if this stock manages to stay above $14, I think it'll be doing really well. Mm. Yeah, it's done very, very well, hasn't it? And I think, you know, when you're looking at commercial real estate at the moment and residential real estate, it's I think there's a lot of people out there very, very nervous. Mm. Um, you know, obviously with Victoria just announcing we're going into lockdown again or the metropolitan mm. Melbourne is going into lockdown. I'm not 100% sure what that means yet because we haven't had time. But, you know, if we start seeing outbreaks in other states and they mm. start going into lockdowns, then this whole area will be in trouble. Well, look, I think um, Australians have a love of property, right? Mm. And this is the midpoint, really, for the property cycle. So mm. you've always, you never know what, it doesn't mm. matter whether it's the stock market or the the property market, they tend to have lows, you know, reasonably close because we know that the stock market precedes the business cycle and the property market often follows mm. that. But there are different cycles around Australia mm. in the property market. But what we what we see is that Australian market tends to follow the US and the biggest falls on the stock market. And so too, it does with the property market. Now, the US market has been due for a pullback for a while, but it's usually in this part of the cycle, it's usually short and sharp, even for property. So that's what makes me question, like, you know, it's a lot of doom and gloom at the moment. And I'm sure that in the next 18 months, it isn't, it's going to get a bit um, interesting in both the mm. stock market and the property market. However, I believe that, you know, if people are savvy and they still, they stick with it, even if you, you know, you've had some experiences in the market, you know, recently that you perhaps are, um, you know, second, trying to second guess yourself, then I'd say just have an open mind because there's some 
going to be some huge opportunities, not only in the property, yes. in the stock market, mm, but in the property market. And I think, mm. you know, Goodman, even though the commercial market tends to be in the riskier space, like mm. you were talking about, because if the market's going to fall, it has a different cycle to the Correct. residential property market and can often be more volatile. But, you know, Goodman's obviously got its assets in, in a better place than what some of the other pro- property companies have. Mm. Good thoughts, mm. good thoughts. Next, we've got a question from Peter who says, Hi, Janine and Dale. How have you been going? We've been great. Thank you very much for asking. I've been loving your show and I'm thinking about buying Dale's book. I'm not sure why you're thinking about it. Just do it. Yeah. Um, purchase Fisher and Pikel in February at $22 and have held through these strange times. And it has continued to trend quite nicely. It gapped up last week, making me think it may pull back. Uh, what are your thoughts on what the stock may do? Um, thanks very much, Peter. Good question. Fisher and Paykel. Mm, Fisher and Paykel is an interesting company. It's it's just held up so well looking at the chart, but it has gapped up recently on the weekly chart. So that's always a little sort of a warning sign. People get excited when they read in the, in the publications or in if, the, if they hear it on the TV, you know, like the mm. news at night, they do the rundown of the stocks and what's been happening. And so if you hear that stocks have jumped up really strongly, then don't get too excited about it. Even if the, you're holding it and the price goes up, just be still thinking about it lo- as logically as you can. Because I know that with some people new to the market, if their shares jump up, they just they get a bit excited and carried away with it. Mm. And don't be so keen to give up your 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 um, profit just yet. If the stock's moving up bullishly and it's closing strongly at the end of each day, that's a really good sign. And, you know, it's good to take some money off the table, but when the rules tell you it's time. Mm. I'm going to ask you a question. With the stock, I mean, obviously looking at this, it gapped up, which is what he talked about. It's had one, two, and so far this week with only two days in it, it's gone up. Over the last week, I've seen a few of these stocks that have gone vertical mm. like this, gapped up, gone vertical. What What's that telling you in terms of if, if we're seeing a broad amount of stocks doing that sort of stuff or going vertical? What's that actually telling you? Depends what area of the market it's happening in. So, I mean, if it was the top end of the market we're seeing that in with the big stocks that dominate the market, then I'd be a bit more concerned about it and thinking that we could be coming into a significant peak. But if... If it's the middle of the range or, or stocks that are lower in um, in terms of the market capitalisation, then I wouldn't be as concerned about it. I just think it was a bit more cyclical for that those stocks. Cool. Good answer. Good answer. Let's get on to the next question then. Hey. Okay. We've got a great question from Cameron who says, Hi, Dale and Janine. I'm interested in your views on MRG Metals Limited. It has recently had good drilling results. I'm interested in taking a position. I can see it has some in resistance around 11 cent mark, but has some clean air above this. I like his talk there. <laughs> clean air. Blue sky, we say. With a target price of around 20 cents, it has had a little bit more volume over the last few weeks. I've read both of your books, Dale, and have a long-term plan based on this. So thank you. An exclamation, exclamation regards Cameron. He's very oh, excited. You. He is very excited. Thanks, so let's, let's bring up the stock. Yeah, um, let's look at this one. So there's not a, a lot of history here. Um, you know, it goes back to 2011, oh. but it's really highly illiquid. There's not a lot of history with recent reasonable volume in it, I'd say. So Jeez. over the last six months, there's probably been more volume. But what does that show you? I mean, it shows you that the interest has only really been there more recently. Mm. Um, COVID has pushed it dramatically. So it went from a high of about 30 cents recently with COVID down to four. So this is an example of, you know, why you don't get into these types of shares. Um, I would say steer clear. 
yeah. personally. I don't care if this thing goes off and, you know, you could just as easily put your money in it and then you do your dough again. Well, how many stocks have you, have you heard of that had good drilling results? Mm. Or... They're closing down rigs. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're actually... Uh, people are in quarantine, stuck on these rigs, the poor guys, away from their families. I mean, it's just a horrible mm. situation. We're but... seeing that a lot of mining stocks, we see a lot of reports about what they're going to do or what they, they've had promising geo-whatever and mm. all sorts of different tests and things like that. But it could be years away before they get any money coming out of that, whatever they're mining, whatever it is, whether it's a metal or whether it's, mm. you know, oil or a natural resource or something like that. But, you know, yes, it's popped up for the last couple of weeks, but it doesn't excite me at all. It's, if it's, it's a rare mess. earth and they start talking about rare mm. earths, these sorts of stocks take off, not mm. because necessarily they've got anything you know mm. significant behind it it's it's often more just because it's the flavor of the month and everybody's making money in it so therefore yeah. people try to jump on the bandwagon yeah biggest thing we teach traders is to trade on confirmation not speculation and and anything that's possibly going to happen into the future is pure speculation so if they if they say here's the report we have great drilling results and in two months time we're going to start production and we're going to be doing this then that's a hell of a lot more confirmation and that's where it would start to get me a little bit more excited but if it's you know one or two or three years out then i'd be waiting for a while before i get into it and i'd rather see the stock move up and get a lot more volume into it before i start putting my money into it but again it's your money it's your your choice as long as you've got rules around it and you believe you can handle it and you like it and you've done your research then who are we to say don't take it that's what we actually can. i was just going to say the same thing were you mm. great minds think alike so at least i'm the good looking one um, maybe i've been brainwashed <laughs> cool now it's time that we get into our topic for tonight um and i'm actually quite excited about tonight's topic uh and that is profitable trading tra trading trading strategies that work in bull and bear markets now janine let me tell you that the idea for this topic came to me when I was in the supermarket in Doncaster East on the weekend. I occasionally go over to Doncaster East for the supermarket. Now, I was in the meat department and I was looking longingly at the steaks and trying to work out how they will fit into my vegan diet when this young man um, working there came past and recognised me from our show. Um, and then this lovely young guy asked if it was okay to chat to me for a little bit as he had a few questions. And so I think we chatted about 15 or 20 minutes um, in the meat department. And his questions were the same that I get from many people who are new to the market. And and that's really, it's sort of like, it's almost like deja vu when you meet some of these people, lovely young kids. So, but he had those same questions. And those for those new to the market, it really can seem overwhelming trying to identify which trading strategies to apply, to apply in order to um, profit from the stock market. Now, this young guy was showing me a plethora of information on his mobile phone, and I didn't have my glasses, and he was shoving it in front of my face going, well, what do you think about that? And I couldn't even see it. Um, but he was wading through all this stuff in order to understand the stock market. And with that, um, that he liked, and he liked stuff but what was going on, he was really left confused about what to do, what to listen to. He was mm. conflicted as about, you know, which websites, which apps to use, uh, which trading strategies he, he should use. And it, it really was quite interesting. And he even showed one app in front of my face. And he goes, what do you think of these? And I said, oh, I don't even know who they are. And he goes, oh, they know all the, the secret trading that's happening on the market. <laughs> and... and <laughs> Yeah, I didn't laugh. I beat my tongue because I was going to laugh, but nobody knows that. Mm. And I said, but on my answer to him, I said, does this website, 
want you to subscribe to it? And he goes, yeah. And I said, well, that's why they're telling you that because nobody knows that. Mm. It's not possible. I said, as a fund manager, you'll never know what I'm doing. And he went, oh. And I said, so how will they know what I'm doing? They won't. Mm. And they don't ever. So there's lots of stuff. But anyway, let's move on. I digress. (laughs) As Dale mentioned, there's a plethora of information out there, including websites, apps, brokers, platforms. And so we want to concentrate on just one area tonight. And this area we get asked about a lot. And that is technical indicators as trading strategies. Hmm. Now, basically, indicators can be broken down into these areas. Now, trend following indicators, momentum indicators and oscillators. And we're going to begin by discussing discussing each of these and then moving on to explore the more common types of indicators. We're going to show you some on the charts as well. Now, the first is trend following indicators. Now, these are commonly known as moving averages and are most universally used by, uh, by uh, as uh, most technical indicators. Um, Another one is moving averages. We're also developed to measure the change in price over n number of periods. And as such, they are said to follow the movement or the trend of price. And indeed, the concept of moving averages is simply to smooth the closing price over a period to a line um, that represents the trend of the price. And that's pretty much how simple that is. Then we have momentum indicators. Now, a momentum indicator is a basic oscillator that simply measures the rate of change in price or the speed at which price is changing. And they're used primarily to trade sideways trending markets. Consequently, as price rises and falls within a defined range, the oscillator tends to rise and fall within a range. So momentum is actually calculated using price today minus the price in number of periods ago. Now, lastly, we uh, come to oscillators and an oscillator basically measures the rate of change or speed of the price move. Now, regardless of the direction of the market, which is essentially what a trend line does pretty much. I mean, the trend line is a momentum indicator in itself. Now, however, unlike a trend line, the oscillator moves above and below a central axis point known as zero line or as a zero line. And when the oscillator is above the zero line, the market should be trending up and when the oscillator is below the zero line, the market should be trending down. Now, oscillators really only confirm what is already evident on the chart and are therefore considered lagging indicators. In fact, most of them are lagging indicators. Now, let, what we're going to do is bring up some of these on the charts to show you what they actually look like. And so we're going to discuss our thoughts on, on them at the same time. Now, for those of you who are students and that, you know that Janine and I actually don't use indicators in our trading, you won't see any on our on our screens. And I suppose while Janine's bringing up the, the first um, first indicator, we need to explain why we don't use them. And and look at we go. Uh, I remember so many times in seminars that I did, people go, you know, what about indicators? You know, why don't you use them? And oh, so, what's the benefit of using indicators? And I said, well, did you say you tried them and you don't? I use said them I've tried them and you... I don't use them. And they said, well, how do you trade if you don't use them? And I said, easier. Mm because I find by not using them, there's less complexity in my trading Mm -hmm. and there's less false signals and there's more certainty in my trading because a lot of these, as we just said, there are lagging indicators. And uh, one of my team said to me a little, and gave me an analogy one day, and he said, you know, you got a car. And I went, yeah. And he goes, you've got indicators on the car. And I said, yeah. He said, when you turn your indicator on, does that mean you're definitely going to turn or you're not going to turn? And I said, well, most of the time I do, but sometimes I don't. And sometimes I don't even put the indicator on. <laughs> and he went, my point exactly. <laughs> so you might see somebody with their indicator on, but you don't know whether they're going to turn or not. So mm. it's just an indication that something may happen. Yeah. 
And so, you know, we do have... It's not a rule, and that's the point, isn't it? Yeah, and that's a rule. So, and as you read, some of these indicators are for sideways moving markets, and we find Mm. often find that people use these indicators in the wrong context. Okay. So I find when I've supported people in the past over the last 20 gazillion years that they'll have these indicators on and and I'll go, but why are you using that indicator in this market condition? You need to know when they work better and they don't work better. Mm. Um, Because the two major things we have in any market movement or market trend is momentum and volatility. And so when we were discussing those, you saw it was about measuring the rate of change in price. And measuring the rate of change in price over time is momentum. Mm. That's exactly what it is. And a trend line will do that better than most other things. And I know with moving averages, which is we're going to discuss first, most people see those because when you open up brokers platforms or you open up... Um, these platforms, you know, wherever they are on the web or on your phone, they often have a moving average on a daily chart on those things. Yeah, because people think mm. that it's easier and they don't have to think. Mm. Okay, so that's what a lot of people start from those indicators for that reason. But mm. like you say, it's actually lagging everything that's going on and it doesn't help you think beyond that point. Um, in my opinion. Mm. So we just we have a simple moving average up there on the screen. Now, this is the monthly chart. Now. Yes. There's not a lot of people that I've seen out there that will be using this on the monthly chart. No. Um, when I first started u- doing um, analysis, I mean, I, I've used them, you've used them when you first started. Correct. And this is why we're talking about it now, because we've been there, so we know some of the pitfalls in terms of analysis. But a lot of these things are designed for daily charts, which is really a concern. So... Um, especially some of the oscillators that we're going to get into down the track, because that actually draws people into looking at the det- too much into that detail and the wrong thing instead of actually being able to do the analysis and see what's really going on, mm. like um, being able to see the wood for the trees. Yeah, and that's why we often say that we, what we say to our students is you need to be able to read the chart itself mm. and the indicators you can lay them up later on. Mm. Um, Because, I mean, even when on my trip, I met up one of the traders um, in Canberra and he had all these indicators on his chart. And he was only partway through the course. He says, what do you think of this? And I said, well, does it work for you? And he goes, yeah. But I also said, well, how does it work for you? And he started trying to explain. I said, that sounds really complex. And he goes, it is. I said, well, why don't you make your life simpler Mm -hmm. by looking at the chart and telling me what it's doing? Because that will simplify his life. So I'm not saying they don't work, but there are better ways. That's but what I we're saying. But I think they they tend to make you trade more. Correct. You know, that's my experience. They make you want to get in and out so much more often because they're really designed for short term, a lot mm. of it. So, you know, if you if, if we could, can we go on to another one? Yeah, yeah we can go on to another one. Let's go on to the next one. So before we go, did you want to talk about yeah, multiple moving averages? Yeah, let's bring up multiple moving averages because you've got moving averages and then you have multiple moving averages. You can have two or more. So there's two separate bands there. And I, know I always thought this looked like music, you know, when I first started looking at it. It does. And I know... Years ago, you and me went to a seminar for this trader and they had a, another trader on speaking before the guy that we wanted to speak. And I know we sat through this presentation for an hour and this guy on these multiple moving averages like that and he was really technical. And at the end of the hour, both you and me looked at each what, other and we went, what did what he could just have say? Been, what could have been so simple, he actually he made, made into the complex, com- mm. yeah, which is just wrong. It doesn't need to, it's, It is so simple. Mm. But basically, you know, you've got different crossovers, moving average crossovers and all that sort of stuff. We weren't going to share with you how to use them, but they can follow trends if you set them right. Mm. So do you set them using Fibonacci numbers like 9 or, th- sorry, um, do you set like 13 or 21? People often set that and, and depend on whether it's a slow or fast moving averages. So there's different settings you'll get. I mean, this can make people... brokers a lot more money. That's yeah. what it can do really easily. Yeah. Because if you have a look at it, if, you know, um, they... 
if you look in a daily chart, this is what they're looking at. So mm. you might be in a stock for one or two days or something. Mm. Um, you know, if it takes a run, you might be in it for a few days, but then you're out of it again. So what you were highlighting is this can often make brokers heaps of money. I remember you talking Correct. about it in the past, but it doesn't allow people to hold on to the stocks long enough to make a decent profit. And it means well, you could mm. be, you know, this could become a, a full-time job rather than what it should be. Yeah, well, my research, I did a lot of research into moving averages versus the trend lines mm. that we do. And, we, and what my research found was the moving averages, you had more trades. We got in around the same time as the trend lines, but we often got out a lot later. And so, therefore, you traded more and you made less money. So, you had more trades and on the you moving made less, averages, you on traded the multiple more. Move, on multiple moving averages and moving averages and both of yeah. them, and I used multiple settings on them. So, and I found so the trend lines more So, you traded more accurate. and you made less profit per trade, is that what you're saying? Correct, if you're Overall. using the moving average. And, mm. be, and part of the reason why you're trading more is you're getting whipsawed in and out in sideways markets because okay. they're not good at that, yeah. whereas trend lines will get you out of those things. So let's move on okay. to the next one. So we're going to move on to an oscillator now. So let's have a little bit of a look at those. And these are the ones that sort of you, you're going to see. I'm just going to switch these other ones off and put, go back to the monthly chart Month. first. Like, you know, you look at this and you'll see, well, okay, that doesn't look very interesting. It's just a flat line and all mm. the all the, the graphs on, all the bars mm. on here are sitting above the, the baseline. How is that going to help? Well, it doesn't. It's because you can't trade them on anything other than a short-term mm. view, which... I mean, it's it's useless, really. Yeah, so basically above the line, it's supposed to be an uptrend. So he's above the line, and that's supposed to be an uptrend, and it's not really. It's not a trend it's for It's not a, a trend. He's below the line, and that's not really a trend either. And, and I remember if it, a number of years back, I had a trader who's an experienced trader said to me, oh, oh, the, all these stocks in the uh, uh, showing bearish divergence using the MACD and and the stochastic, and I went, yeah. Which is a different indicator. Which is different indicators as well, and I'll show you MACD in a second. And I said, yeah, but I said, if you go back the last two years, they've been showing bearish diversions for the whole two years, and mm. the whole top 50 stocks have been doing that. Yeah. And she said, really? And I said, well, go and test it. Mm. A week later, she come back, and she goes, yeah, you're right. Mm. I said, so what's the point of your question to me saying, have a look at the these indicators telling you the market's going to go down, when for two years, you could have ignored it and still been trading up. So, and that's really where some of those indicators are not, don't necessarily do the right thing for you. But again, if you use them and you make money out of them, that, I'm happy with that. That's not an issue to me. So it's to supposed me. to be like when the, when the indicator mm. is above that blue line, that it's supposed to be overbought. And when it goes below it, it's supposed to be oversold or something like that. In theory, yeah, so, yeah. So that tells you when you can get in and get out. But when I first started looking mm. at these things so many decades ago, it just drove me bananas. Mm. Because you're, you're all over the place. You, mm. and, and the big part of the reason is because you've got no idea of the longer-term direction or, or even how to assess the longer-term direction. Correct. And to think about the pattern of where the stock is in the big picture as well because it's, it's price, time and pattern that, that we look at to, to understand the stock. But yeah. this is just such a blinkered view. It's like I was talking to someone on the phone the other day and saying, you know, do you want to be the horse going down the racetrack with the blinkers on? You can't even see what's coming at you from left or right. Yeah. Um, to me, that's what this is like. Yeah, to a large degree. Um, and obviously, that's an MACD or a MACD that people call it or moving. It's called Moving Average Convergence Divergence. That's the full name of it. MACD is an acronym of that. Um, and again, it's above and below the line and you look at that. But you've also got things like Bollinger Bands. You've got Stochastics. You've got RSIs. You've got a whole range of things. And, and you're right. When I find people with a lot of stuff on their charts, 
What I find is it makes you lazy because mm. then you, your eye directly goes to the indicator and you actually don't see the wood for the trees, which is what you saw earlier. And you might have a couple of different indicators, one saying it's bullish and one saying it's bearish. So you're getting conflicting indicators. And what these traders do by having more indicators, they try to get a confluence of ones or is, is there more weighting to it going up or more weighting to it going down? And then I'll go with that. Whereas making your life a little bit simpler by taking all of these off and actually see what's there. Mm. And I often said to, to people, just take all that stuff off and give the chart to a, a five-year-old. They'll tell you whether it's going up or down. They'll be able to do that. But I think as us guys, we like to make things, you know, we like to V8 things in Supermap and put superchargers on them and everything else. And because we don't have to do any work to put them on their charts to understand them and to get the result out of them, and we can scan thousands of stocks with them immediately, that's why a lot of people do it. But I find the old methods just work better, mm. much more consistent, a lot less effort um, and a lot better results. Yeah. So, but that's, okay. that's me. Well, we better move on. It's time to get back into your questions. And um, this is the next one. It's actually a video oh, from cool. Joseph. Good on you. Good afternoon, so Darlene. Well, we uh, he's got to play the video. We're not going to talk about it. <laughs> so let's play the video now. Hi, Dale and Janine. I've purchased Afterpay at $15. Currently have a 10% stop loss. Looking to keep it for medium to long term. Just wanted your tech analysis on the stock itself. And I do currently see it as being bullish. However, for the last month, two months it has been trending upwards I uh, would like your sort of uh, analysis on that I suppose uh, that'd be greatly appreciated and uh, love your work well done on the videos uh, doing a fantastic job thanks not the fantastic question wasn't it from Joseph yeah I got carried away there didn't I Look, I know you were... I was so excited about the fact that we had another video question thank you Joseph um, doesn't take much does it mm. look I was going to be the gentlewoman and <laughs> offer you the opportunity to have no, a no, you go. you go I'm the gentleman here I've been told I have to be a gentleman by my wife so you go okay <laughs> All right. Um, looking at the stock, you can see the last three months have been up really strongly, which is fantastic for the shares. So people have been riding that one. And the funny thing was that there wasn't even an entry rule on it um, on the weekly chart, not a one. So looking at it now, we can see that it um, is trading to around $70. Oh, look, I think that there's a potential for it to go higher, but this current month um, and last month being such a big swing, swing down and then swinging back up again, I think it might take a breather for a little while. So um, there's no indication of that yet, though. So it's still early days. You know, we can still see here on the daily chart that it's slowing down the last couple of days, but that doesn't mean it's going to come back just yet. If it did come back and settle, it may pull back to around the $60 mark um, in so doing, but it still looks strong. But he's got currently. a stop loss on it, so that's good. So stay yeah, that's with good. it. Look, I mean, mm. I guess if you were asking me, well, like, you know, if I if I held the stock, if you're asking me where I'd set my stop loss, well, there's not, there's not a big choice, but I would probably set it around the low of the the last week's bar for now and just wait and see. So around 56 um, roughly I'd be setting around that there sort of stuff. Just to see, because if it goes below there, you know that it's more likely to go back down and fill that big gap down low. Yeah, but normally when you see stocks, and it's about momentum because we were talking about that a, a minute ago, and if I do, like if I use my one of my little trend lines here, and I just do a little line here and they say, okay, so that's roughly the momentum of this stock in terms of how it's unfolding in time and price or the rate of change in time and price, which mm. we were talking about with the indicators. 
this rate of change in price is very, very high. So this would be in the overbought section on those indicators. Yeah, but guess. it may not be time to sell it yet. But it may but not be time to sell it. Yeah. So they, the indicators are probably looking at you Would have taken going, you out long ago. Yeah, they'd be saying, get out, get out. I mm. mean, obviously, with a moving average, it wouldn't be doing that at the moment. It wouldn't be crossing the moving average to get you out. But at this point in time, a lot of people will be going, what do I do? Now, this is you don't have a trend line. You can't draw a trend line on it yet. No. Mm. But my guess is if we looked at the volume of trading on this, the volume would be coming from retail investors, not the necessarily the big end of town, because this is the flavour of the month type thing that's, that, that investors or retail investors like to jump on, like A2 Milk was for a while, like some of the others have mm. been for a while. Um, Bubs has been one of them and a whole range of them. And so right now, there's no reason to get rid of this stock. There's every reason to hold it at the moment. Just be ready to exit should it start to fall away and make sure you keep a stop loss on it. Um, you might... Uh, uh, a loose stop loss that we talk about, not as a trader, but with investors, is 15% off a high price. So what last week's high... Oh, please, take, I'm going to cringe now. I Do you know. have to encourage that? No, I don't want to encourage it, but I'm just suggesting... You're worried about them? It's, I'm just worried about them. If it does fall heavily, it's like, where do you get out of that? And I'm not saying it's going to fall heavily, so don't take me wrong. I'm just saying at the moment it's going up. But you need to have some line in the sand, and if it does fall away, where am I going to get out? And with brokerage so cheap, what's yeah. the big issue? Yeah, but a percentage, you know, you know, you, you mm. don't even use that yourself, and you talk tell people most times not to... Yeah, but not everybody's yeah. a, 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 an educated trader. And that's the challenge for and them, isn't it? that's the challenge it? for them. You know, what are they do. They're basically left out there with nothing if they don't mm. have any rules. Correct. Mm. So it, it, it is a rule for people that don't have a high level of knowledge in trading. Mm. But let's move on. Great question anyway. But the next question or the next email we have is from Jack, I think it is. Jack who says, hello, Dale and Janine. Can you please give me your thoughts on Aristocrat Leisure or ALL? It was... Um, hit hard by COVID-19 crash and has rallied nicely since the, the past six weeks it has trended sideways um, and looks like it may pull back. I like the way the charts looked before COVID and uh, with gaming rooms and casinos starting to open up, I think it can continue to rise. Thanks in advance, Jack. And we also had this uh, question on Aristocrat from uh, somebody called Nick, but I won't read out Nick's question, but thanks for sending your question in, Nick. So we've had two questions on Aristocrat popular stock. It is a popular stock. So let's go. So what are your thoughts? Look, I mean, looking at it now, it looks okay. It's It hasn't recovered quite, a, you know, 50% of what it's fallen, which gives you some indication about the where it's likely to be if there is another pullback on the market. And I think he's highlighted mm. some good points in terms of, you know, okay, while the casinos may be um, getting people back and these guys actually create the programs that they put in those um, machines for, for the pokies. So and I'm not sure what else they do, but I know that's a big area that they were mm. in. So, you know, if, the, if people are not playing the pokies and there's no demand for new games, then, you know, the, the share price is going to languish. However, we're going to be in a situation with COVID for a long time of on and off. Mm. It's not going to be, let's put the accelerator back on, everything's going to get back to normal quickly. I mean, Victoria's gone into a lockdown again. So let's face it, um, not all of Victoria, but um, around the Melbourne metro area. So let's face it, um, we could see this sort of thing happen around the country again. Um, and are yeah. people getting back into mm. the clubs with poking machines? Are they getting back into casinos in the same levels that they were prior to COVID, probably even not. in the other states? And probably not. People are probably still a little bit nervous about getting into places. Mm. I know in the past few weeks when it's opened up here in, in Melbourne that I've been a little bit, mm, or I've grabbed my wife's arm and said, hey, babe, 
mm. not too close, staying back, social distancing. Just so we're all still centers, just at shopping centres and everything mm. else. I know some people just are disregarding it, and that's why Melbourne's got an outbreak again. But but again, it, there will be mm. outbreaks in other states, highly likely. So I don't know. I'm with you. I don't think right now it's not pushing through. Look, it has the potential to it get up to potential. around that $32 mark mm. in the short term. If it holds above where it is now, above mm. 24 we could see it move up. But, you know, it's more likely mm. if the market pulls back, it's going to come back with it. Cool. So we're just waiting to see what happens. All right. Let's get to the next one. Okay. This one's from Tech. We've had some good ones from mm. Tech over time. Hi, Janine and Dale. Thanks, uh, Janine, for your time for the analysis on SIM a few weeks ago. That's a pleasure. As you mentioned on the show, the stock traded lower and hit the $23 mark last week. Do you believe the stock has finished the short-term pullback and will start to rise from here or um, it has more downside before it starts again? I'm glad I was able to find your new book, Dale, in the local bookshop Yay, <laughs> at the Dimox bookshop. I read your first few um, years ago and I cannot wait to finish this one. Many thanks for your help. Kind regards, Tech. Cool. So that's a good one. Yeah, I found my book in Dimmicks in Sydney, did I tell you? When I was in this, I did. Okay. Go to Dimmick, buy my book. Okay, next. Simic, okay. So we can see there that it's held, um, you know, it's, it's held its ground reasonably well. So it did reverse this week here. So I'll just highlight it. Looking at the long-term picture, um, the challenge with Sim right now is mm. the, the ownership of the, the stock. So mm. it's not likely to, to, to go gangbusters and be in huge demand because there's a, one company that owns the bulk of the, of the shares right now. So it, they could be talking, you know, I'm not saying they, but I'm saying that some people mm. in the market may talk the share down. There's a potential for that when these sorts of things mm. happen. I'm not saying Simic in particular. I'm just saying that it just, I've seen so many things over the years unfold. So um, looking at the stock right now, it could actually end up trading below the low of this low. So that was always my concern um, that May low may get taken out if it continues to fall. Mm. Uh, if it actually trades up, if something weird happens and the stock does trade above 27.50, say, then it may actually push back up and head closer to $30. But right now um, it's too early to say and yeah. I'm not, given the bigger picture scenario around CIMIC, um, I would... When, when stocks get into that situation, we end up just closing the book on them. We don't even look at them after that happens. So Yeah, and mm. right now, I mean, going back to what we talked about with, you know, trade on confirmation, not speculation. Confirm, there's no confirmation it's going up yet, and there's no confirmation it's stopped going down yet. Yeah. So that's really where that's at this a good point, point in time. You're not in it at the moment, so that's okay. While it keeps going down, you're not losing any money because you're not in it. But when it does go up and give you confirmation it's going up, then it's okay to get into, but right now... And like we said before, you know, we're not giving you specific mm. advice about whether you should or shouldn't because this is, you know, just our opinion on whether we would mm. um, buy it or not. And I'm just saying that right now, and, and probably from now on, I wouldn't even have this on my list, so that's no. what I'm saying. It's interesting how people want certainty, though. They go, you said mm. it's going to do this, so, and then they go, well, wow, I'll go in it because you said it's going to do that. There is no certainty. There is no certainty, and, I mean, it doesn't matter who it is. There's no certainty. It doesn't mm. matter what analyst anywhere in the world there's still no certainty in whatever they're saying is going to happen but hey um, right now stay out of it at the moment and wait for it to start to go up um, the next question we got is from somebody called Johnson hi Johnson um, he says hi as a general question is there a resource in terms of market expected or forecast for upcoming company results to be released to the market so that we know the current expectation reflecting the company's current share price thank you Johnson great question isn't it it is great question now um, Johnson's talking about earnings season I mean obviously 
obviously the US has finished second quarter in the end of June. We finished our financial year in the end of June. The US will be reporting their second quarter earnings in August. We'll start doing our reports in August as well for our second half of the financial year. That'll start August, September. So I know there is, you can get lists of when all the reporting happens. So what dates, which companies are reporting. They're easy to find. You just go into Google and say, reporting season calendar and you'll have all the dates for the US and you'll have all the dates for Australia, um, which companies and what they're actually doing. But what he's asking, what Johnson's asking is how do you gauge, I'm assuming he's saying, how do we gauge whether it's going to be a good or bad report? And that's the hard part, isn't it? I mean, I guess so. But I mean, the fundamentals I've never had a lot of faith in anyway. And that was particularly evident to me whenever there was a big market correction, that was the thing that showed up how the fundamentals don't work. So I guess, you know, you're, you're wanting to see, I look to see what the analyst expectations are, but I look after the, the whole event is done. And the reason for that is because I want to see how accurate things are. And it just reaffirms my opinion each time that um, when they put out those expectations, quite often they're wrong. Like, you know, or they're, for example, you know, there'll be, peop- there'll be a group of analysts that said they're expecting the result to be um, lower um, there are a group of analysts that will be expecting a result to be higher. And in the end, they give you percentages of how many met the mark, whether companies met the mark or not. And quite often it'll be around 55, 60, um, or it'll be 30-something or 40, mm. depending on the year and what the market's doing overall. So, so. with the analyst, what do you th- why do you think there's some inconsistency there? Because people have opinions and mm-hmm. at times, you know, human emotion gets in that they, they'll have different methodologies of doing analysis and making judgments on what they see. The information that they get may be different as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it may be clouded um, for some reason or another, whether that particular institutional, um, that broking house or whoever's putting out the recommendation or the research house has a vested view or, or a certain opinion on that company. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, opinions differ. That's just a reality, and that's why analyst results are not always the same. Okay, there you have it. There's your question. Well, there's your answer. Sorry, not your question. We've got an email from Jim. Hi, Dale and Janine. I dipped my toes in the water buying a small portfolio a portion of Westmark Farmers. Sorry, at $42. It has looked strong since and using what I've learnt in Trading Mentor. Very good. It seems that if it were to push through the February high of 47.42, it would be a good buy. Thoughts, feelings, thanks, Jim. Good question, Jim. West so let's Farmers bring up is a West great Farmer. stock. It is so a really good stock. Really good to see that he's picking nice big Look shares. Um, I think beautiful. West Farmers looks awesome. I think if you were in the share currently, then you would be just holding it right now mm. and waiting for a rule to exit. But if you're not in it, my opinion is at the moment that this could be heading towards a peak of a run. Now, it could just rip through that all-time high. And often when stocks go through the all-time high, they can keep going for a number of weeks or months before they pull back. But I would say that if West Farmers does do that, then it may have a pullback shortly after that. So I would suggest that if you didn't get in a couple of months ago, then you've probably missed the opportunity on this one for now. Yeah, but unlike some of those stocks we've looked at it tonight that have gone relatively vertical or fast, because the momentum mm. on the market at the moment is very fast. Okay. It's quite fast. You can get a trend line on that stock. Mm. So, And so that's what I would suggest you do, use a trend line on that stock underneath that. Um, if you do want to do some work, mate... That's for an exit. 
Yeah, that's for his exit. Because some people listening might not understand what you mean because they no, might not even know about that's trend That's in our lines. top secret course. Um, so Reid does, but we don't know. <laughs> uh, but because you're one of my trading mentor students, that means you can send me an email to trading mentor support. So you can give me a bit of your thoughts and maybe send me a chart and have a look at it and we can sort of have a chat about where your exit strategy might be and how you might manage it from there. So People please. might think that's novel, like getting an email from you, but I've always thought it's fantastic that mm. Dale actually does. He is the person who actually replies to your your email if you join Trading Mentor. So mm. you actually get mentored by the chief um, through Trading Mentor. Aren't you lucky? And you get you answer some of the emails as well, but anyway. Um, but we'll get to that anyway. But uh, we'd like to thank anybody who has sent in a question. As I said, we had tons of them for, and, uh, for tonight's show. There were some really good ones. And uh, hopefully if you have a oh, – sorry, there were good, good questions this week if I can get my mouth to work. Uh, <laughs> if you do have a question or you'd like us to look at a stock, if you remember to send in your video, stick the phone in front of your face, your webcam, whatever it is, send the video to info at wealthwithin.com.au and do so before 3 p.m. every Tuesday. It's now the end of tonight's show and I hope you've had a great night and enjoyed it and thank you for participating. If you have a topic that you'd like us to cover, then please send in your ideas and we'll look at your requests for our upcoming shows. Now, if you'd like to see the show continue to grow, then remember to share this show on your social media. Put the link there on your Facebook, your YouTube, your Twitter, your whole whatever it is, the TikToky thing that I've heard about nowadays. Um, but also remember to make sure you put this show onto your calendar as we'll be back right here on YouTube Live every Tuesday, 7 to 8 p.m. Um, but that does bring us to the end of the show. And again, we really hope everyone enjoyed it as much as we have bringing it to you. And as always, we thank you for joining us and we hope to see you again next week. But for now, good Goodbye, good luck, and good trading. Stay safe, Good night, guys. everyone. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.